house. Come on, somebody shout glory. Is somebody excited to be in the house of God this morning? Come on. Somebody, tell the person next to you, I'm coming out. Let's not say it like you mean it. I'm coming out. Before I get into my preaching, I want to tell each and every one of y'all, thank y'all for your support and the birthday, man. Um, if you didn't make it, that's okay. I forgive you, and so does God. If you could bring me down on the monitor just a bit, you're a bit loud. And I want to thank, we had people sitting in the hallways. The place was packed, and God was good to us. Somebody say amen. amen. And uh, we, we, they preached on, I'm a battery. That's, that's what I got from, I'm a battery. I take the negative and the positive and make it work. Somebody say amen. amen. Are you excited to be in the house of God today? Amen. Tell the person next to you, I'm coming out. See, I, I, we had Bishop here. I'm about to bring the blackout in me today. And um, I, I might just you know, take it there for a moment or two because you got to understand, I'm, I'm preaching from the story of Moses. And I'm preaching about let my people go. But when you're real Puerto Rican, you can't just say let my people go. You got to say let my people go. So tell the person next to you, let me go. Come on, say it like you mean it. Let me go. You have got to understand that God desires to bring you out of every circumstance in your life. You have got to understand that Moses went strictly into Egypt and he did one thing and he spoke those words, let my people go. And he found freedom where his countrymen found bondage. He brought freedom with the help of God where he was once enslaved. It is time that you spoke to every ugly situation, every dirty circumstance, every awful hurt in your life, every broken marriage in this place, every broken relationship, and you spoke to the devil and said, let my people go. It's about time that you went to every single one of your relatives who you desire to see saved and sanctified every friend that you have, that you want to see God move in their life, and you shout into their life, let them go. Because God desires a church of free people. Every addiction, every little issue, and just every hurt in your life. Somebody said, let me go. Every depression, oppression, suppression. God wants to bring liberty to your life. Come on, I want somebody to high-five your neighbor. Tell them, I'm coming out. You have got to understand, if you don't remember anything today, Remember, let me go. That you speak to the enemy in your life. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. That's Exodus 5, verses 1 through 5. And dear Heavenly Fathers, we come into your presence, God. We ask you to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, God, to stir us up in our hearts, to bring out the radical in us, Father God. Somebody say Amen. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 reads, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, but I will not, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Look, the people of the land are numerous, and you are stopping them from working. Now understand something as we, we're going to dive into some other scriptures, but realize off the rip, one thing, where is God taking them? He says right in the scripture, I want them to come 
to the desert. So many times we think that God brought them out to bring them to a land of promise. No, 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 no. God brought them out so they can have an encounter with God. So they can encounter, you might go in your life to a dry place so you can find God in your life. The desert is hot. The desert is full of death. There's no life in the desert. Only thing in the desert is heat. But God says that when you are in the world, your desert of your life, you're going to feel some tough times. Tell the person next to you, I know tough times. You have to understand that only thing in the desert is the sand. And when you walk in the sand on the beach, you have to understand that sand gets everywhere. It gets in your feet. If you lay it down, it gets in places you can't even talk about. you got to understand that sand is not a good thing, but yet God desired for them to go to the desert. God is calling you out not so you can be some promiseful person, but he's calling you out for one thing, to have an encounter with him. God wants you to encounter his spirit. I heard it said by Brian Houston that the word encounter in the Greek means a collision with the unexpected. When you least expect it, that your life collides with God. That when you least expect it, your life is just abruptly stopped and redirected because the power of God comes over your life. You have got to realize that God is calling you to the dry places so you can bring life. Did you hear that? He's calling you to dry places so you can be the light. Somebody say amen. Don't look at your issues or what you're going through. Understand, if you're in a dry place, understand that God is simply desiring you to worship him. When you're in the tough times, God desires you to worship him. You got that so far? Understand the Pharaoh said no. He wasn't about to let the slaves go. The devil, the enemy of your life. Somebody say the Pharaoh is the devil. In this story, you are the Israelites. Egypt is your own lifestyle, and the Pharaoh is the devil. Somebody say, the devil. And as you realize, the devil is not in the business of letting you go. The devil is not in the business of letting you leave your own lifestyle so easily. How many know when you come to church, your own lifestyle seems to cling at your very spirit and your very clothes? It seems to hold on to you, and every time you try and rip away from it, it comes back with a new strength in your life. Well, I've learned something new, that the devil is now trying a new thing. And I've realized this in my spirit, and I've spoken into some of your life, but I'm going to blanket this over the church and the body of Christ, that the enemy is out not to stop you from coming to church. He wants you to come to church so you think you're saved, but he wants to make you ineffective before God. He wants to make you as a Christian who just comes out of routine, that you have no prayer life, you got no Bible reading life, and there's no true sense of worship or change at home. But since you came to this church, yes, you enjoy it. Yes, you love it. Yes, you will love the preachings, the teachings. You love the, the music. But yet, at home, your lifestyle is still pretty much the same. You're still doing the same things you've done. But Romans says that we are a new creation in Christ. Jump to Exodus 7. Verses 16 to 19. They say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to say to you, Pharaoh, let my people go. Somebody say, let my people go. So that they may worship me in the desert. But until now you have not listened. So this is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile. And it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink of its water. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron to take your staff and stretch over the hand, <coughs> over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. 
Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. You may say, what does that got to do with what I'm living at now in America? But understand, in case you do not realize, God is willing to shake the nation just to get you out. God is willing to shake and bring your nation upside down just to bring salvation to your life. Because God desires to worship you in freedom. God desires for you to be free and desire a worship in his life. And when you understand that God will literally break a nation just for you, you have to appreciate the level of compassion God has for your life. Because they say we live in a free country, but let me tell you, we don't live in a free country anymore. I'm going to go there in a second and some of you might not like it, so pull your pants up. Because let me tell you that we don't live in a free country anymore. Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Somebody said, let my people go so that they may worship me. And if you refuse to let them go, I will plague your entire country with frogs. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will place up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the house of your officials and on your people, and into the ovens and kneading trowels. The frogs will go on, up on you and your people and all your officials. Understand that there was a plague in our country. Understand that as we live, that we've never seen such perilous times on the face of the earth as we have seen now. Understand that our country, we've kicked God out of the schools. We've kicked God out of the courthouse. And most recently, we kicked him out of the White House. So understand that when you don't have people who are looking for the best interest of the church, who are looking to appease the world, never before has it been said that our country was not a Christian nation. Now we're a Muslim Christian nation. The devil is a liar. We've taken the Ten Commandments. We want to move it out of, the, out of the courthouses. We want to take God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. We want to take God off the money circulating around our country that says in God we trust. And we expect God to bless us. We expect God to work in us. We all understand that marriage is a joke in our country. Understand that as the leading nation in the world, America sets the tone for the globe. And if, if, if this, whole, this whole marriage thing is a joke in America, throughout the world, it's going to go a domino effect in our world. Because God has put you in a country that is supposed to set the tone for his spirit to dwell in. Understand that abortion is at an all-time high across the globe. In America alone, in the last 25 years, over 48 million babies have been slaughtered. Understand that we don't live in a free country anymore. There's no such thing as freedom of speech anymore. There's no such thing. You can barely even get a gun and the right to bear arms anymore. Understand that your country is in peril and there is not one Christian in this place who is on the watchtower for your country, watching the politics, seeing what is happening, and praying for your leaders and praying for our president. Understand that God is calling you out of this slumber you are in. God is calling you to wake up. God is calling you to see the light. God is calling you to understand that we need to step up as a body of Christ. You see, you got to understand why this nation was founded. This nation was founded back many, many hundreds of years ago. Why? Because men and women of God left England to come to a new land to be able to worship freely because they were tired of how the English church told them how to worship. They were tired of the Catholic church telling them how to live their life. So they decided to stop it and go across and find new territory. And they landed at Plymouth Rock. We call them the pilgrims. And they began to settle this country. And they ended up with 13 colonies. They ended up with, with a small conglomerate of colonies. 
And when the oppression began to be too much, they threw off the bondage kind of like Israel did. And they went to fight the enemy in their life. It's time that you realize you are under bondage in your life. It's time that you realize you need to stand up in your spirit and go to war against the things that are trying to overcome our country. Our schools are no longer safe for our children. People getting shot inside of churches, stabbed outside your own homes, home burglaries across Connecticut, people being killed. And what are we doing? Oh, that's a horrible, sad thing, but I'm going to go about my life. The Bible says that an entire generation was wiped away. Why? Because they knew not the hour of their visitation. Because they did not know when God was trying to speak to them. Tell the person next to you, God is trying to talk to you. God's sick and tired of mediocre, lukewarm churches. Lord, it was all up in my preaching talking about lukewarm. God is so sick and tired of these churches who allow their people to go out drinking. Yes, I said it. Some of y'all who drink, I'm so sorry. God is so tired of people who knew the truth once, now still being lost. Great men and God in Connecticut who are so far from the truth of where they started at. And they've allowed big ministry to stop them. No longer, they just want to make a feel-good ministry so people can pack their churches. But if you preach a message of the Holy Spirit and of conviction, God will bring the people in. If you speak the message of just forgiveness, let me tell you, God will bring them in. Tell the person next to you, God's filling our church. Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Excuse me, verses 20 through 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him. Somebody say it with me. This is what the Lord says. You see, this is not, this is not what I'm telling, this is not what I say. I'm telling you what God says. I'm just being an oracle trying to translate the scriptures into a parallel where you can understand it right now. And later on, I'm going to tell you more how this applies directly to your life. Somebody say, my life. And he says here, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on your officials and on your people into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies in even the ground where they are at. Understand, he says there, he's talking about how he's going to start judging the leadership of a nation. It is your desired job. You need to desire the job. You need to understand the Bible says, I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're a liberalist. I don't care if you're conservative. I don't care what you are. You need to pray for the people in office right now. You need to pray that they make godly decisions. I don't care if you agree with the president, you don't agree. You know what? We listened to a message yesterday, the men's meeting, and it's talking about submission is better than rebellion. And yes, we have a free country, but we need to submit to the authority of the state. We need to be Christian people and live right by God and pray for our leadership. We need to be under the covering and under the authority of God. And then he put our leadership in place, and we need to pray for them. Tell the person next to you, pray for the president. You better lift Obama up every day. Every time you kneel down, he should be one of the first people you pray for. Because whether you realize it or not, he affects your destiny more than you can possibly imagine. He affects every area of your life. I don't care if you don't like Bush. I prayed for Bush every chance I got. 
and I'm going to pray for the next president. And then guess what? I'm going to pray for the one after that too because it is my civic duty to lift them up in prayer. Do you think the reverends they have and their chaplains are really, really giving them great spiritual advice? How can you advise the president? He runs the world. We need to get before God and bring conviction back to our country. Exodus chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Somebody say he's going somewhere. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go so they may worship me. And if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels, on your cattle, your sheep and your goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. Understand here, God will go to any length to bring freedom to your life. God will do anything he possibly can. Somebody say anything. Understand here that I'm beginning to see a resounding pattern that he keeps repeating two statements. He says, let my people go so that they may worship me. God desires your worship that bad. He desired Egypt's, excuse me, Israel's worship so severely that in a couple chapters, he literally kills the firstborn of every son of an Egyptian man or woman simply so that they would allow the people to go understand. I know there are people in your life giving you a hard time. I know your friends and your families. I know that they are messing with you because you come to church. I know people look differently at you because you come to church. I know people treat you differently because you give your life to God. But understand that when you serve God and when you worship God, that you don't have to worry about them letting you go because God is going to take care of your side. I speak this to you right now, and I, I, you can mark it in your calendar, and you can, you can take it as a prophecy into every single one of your lives. That every person who truly gives you a hard time about your life with Christ this year will find calamity at their doorsteps. Because this is the year of promise for this church. If you link up with the vision, I promise you, I can guarantee you. I guarantee you, every person that gives you a hard time, they will find judgment in their life. And then guess what's going to happen? They're going to call you to pray. They're going to they're gonna say, Renati, I, I need you to pray for me. I know I've been making fun of you. They're going to say, Mr. Burgos, I, I need you to pray for me. Because I've been going through some tough times. Bob, they're going to call you. I'm telling you, they're going to call you. I promise you, you can bet your life on it. I know what God's been speaking to me. You say something, I don't even have my notes today. I was here till about four in the morning writing notes. Somehow that computer jacked my notes up again. I'm okay with that. Because I have, my, you know, I have the spirit of God to lead me and to guide me. But I know that last night God was speaking to me and telling me that as long as we worship him, that everybody who comes against us, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They, they hit me up on Facebook, a visitor who came to the church on Friday. And it was quite humorous. And they said, I heard some stuff about you. And I said, well, that's great. A lot of people talk about me. What was it? What they say? I said, was it good or bad? They said it was bad. I was like, well, you saw my church. My ministry speaks for itself. I said, I started with about 25 people. And, I, you know, we, can, we have over 100 on the roll. So what are you telling me? See, either I'm doing something wrong or they're lying. So you, take, you, you judge. 
People talk about me. I love when people talk about me. I, I, I like Chase. Like just, I'm just like me and Chase have that in common. I love haters. Like, Cookie, don't you love haters? It means you're doing something right. Mariana, you got to love haters. Because they want what you got. Because they desire the step in the life you got. They don't understand why you're prospering. They don't understand why you're doing good. Let them talk about you. Because when the time comes for the truth to be revealed, they'll be exposed. And they're going to come graveling at your feet, apologizing. This is the year that if you give God your everything, he's going to make, he's going to literally put you, he's going to be like Job. And he said, have you seen my servant Walter, who he's been serving me so faithfully? God's going to brag on you. In the story of Job, the devil goes back to heaven and God said, what you been doing, devil? I've been walking to and fro and from the earth and I've been looking around. He says, have you looked at Job? That dude is off the hook. That's 2010 version. I'm sorry. That's the new pastor remix Bible. He said, yo, my boy is off the chain for real. Did you see the gear I gave him? You see the crib he got? It's, yo, it's, it's off the chain. He got that new Mercedes C-Class. He got, the, he got the new BMW 4. He got this. He got that. He got the 5 Series this. He got, he got every, you know, he got the new LED TVs. And he got every, have you seen him? And the devil says, oh, you take that all away from him. He's not going to worship you. The devil is a liar. My praise is not conditioned on the things that I have. You see, I don't got my notes, but I'm still preaching. I'm not, I'm, I'm not conditioned on what I have in my life. You understand that? Somebody shout glory. glory. Exodus chapter 9, verse 13 to 18. Somebody say he's almost done. The Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning. That whole early in the morning thing set me off. I was studying this week. I said, Lord, why do you keep on telling them get up in the morning? Why couldn't they go out like the afternoon? You know, miss the rush hour. Rush hour back then must have been rough with all the horses. And I'm just, I'll leave that alone. But I'm just saying. Get up early in the morning, the devil's a liar. Confront the Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. I see a pattern here. He says, let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. Somebody say there's nobody like him. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and the other people with the plague that you would have been wiped off the face of the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself up against my people and you will not let them go. So therefore, at this time, tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen Egypt from the day it was founded. God will unleash the full force of heaven simply to shake the bondages in your life. When you feel like your life is falling apart, it's really God just saying, I got a plan. When you feel like your life is at its worst and you have nowhere else to go. You know, I've, I've learned something. I've learned that brokenness comes in stages and different age periods of your life. You see, when you're about 28, 29 years old, brokenness comes in the form of a broken marriage. You see, when you're about a teenager, brokenness comes because some high school boyfriend broke your heart. When you're about 35 years old, brokenness comes because of financial woes in your life. And when you're about 50 years old, I'll tell you when I get there. Maybe I should ask some of these people and put them out. I'm just playing. You see, the devil works different ways at different stages of your life. 
Why is it that everybody goes to a midlife crisis? There's no such thing as a midlife crisis because you don't know when the middle of your life is. That's a lie. So that means some of these young folks who died at 20 years old, they had a midlife crisis at 10 years old. God got to help them. Couldn't do your homework. Why? I'm having a midlife crisis. Like just, how could you have that conversation with somebody? What's wrong, Johnny? Why didn't you do your homework? Well, you don't understand. I just, I'm at that middle of my life and I just... The devil, they, they, they prescribe so many different issues in your life. Why? 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 You go to a doctor, they're going to tell you you got something. They're going to start naming stuff that everybody does that makes you think. Everybody has a little bit of OCD in you. Did you not know that? I can tell you something about myself. I think I told you before. Personally, if I'm walking by, if I don't touch this button right, I got to touch it again. And I used to have this problem. I'm kind of over this one. But I would turn my TV off at the best part of the show and flip it back on. I don't know why. But ever since DVR, it kind of lost its excitement, so I just rewind it. Everybody has a little OCD in you. You don't wipe something right. You got to wipe it the right way till it feels right. You, you know what I'm talking about. Got conviction in the macro. Somebody shout glory. You've got to realize that, that everybody has a little bit of something in you. I, you know what? I, 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 think that, I think that psychology is an awesome thing. Psychology reveals what God needs to heal. Psychology is a study of the mind. The mind is an awesome thing. And if it takes you about, what, six years, seven years to get a doctorate in psychology, and you're only studying 10% of the mind, thank God we only use 10% of it. You'd be in school for like 80 years just for your degree in that. And you have to understand that, that when it comes to psychology, they're going to name stuff that everybody does until you, they can diagnose you and be able to give you some prescription. And half the time, they give you a placebo. A fake prescription, just like water and pills. Take that to the pharmacy, they just laugh at you. And you, do you have trouble sleeping during the week? Who here does not have trouble sleeping? At some point of the day, you take a nap and can't sleep that night. At least once a week, I guarantee you, you're tossing and turning. Do you sometimes find tears on your face? Everybody has tears in your face. I teared up in the cold weather. Are you crying? No, it's cold. The wind's in my eyes. You have this, they want to diagnose you with something. Do you have itches on your body sometimes? Well, doesn't everybody? And they, they give you these things. And they make you think that you have an issue. I guarantee you, nobody remembers putting on your underwears this morning. I bet you didn't even feel them on you until I mentioned it. And then you became aware of your underwear. Isn't it true? My psychology teacher told me that back in high school. He said, your underwear. And I said, what about it? I felt it. <laughs> and they tried to do these things to you to get you to find this freedom and liberty without God. They try and take this, they just medicate you, and they give you all these different, what's up, what's up with all the medications ending in Zac? Prozac, this, that. I went to the pharmacy, I couldn't tell a darn thing. I used to work at CVS Pharmacy. We had to actually redo the entire pharmacy wall by alphabetical order. I don't know who named these drugs. It was like they had a blind guy at a keyboard and he just tapped away. I couldn't pronounce not even half of them. But yeah, we didn't even know what's in them. We're just popping them. Doctor said, I got to use it. How about we understand that God wants to bring you through depression without medication? That God wants to bring you through oppression, suppression. 
He doesn't want you to feel like that. I told you this a hundred times. This, this commercial is still running. They need to take it off. It's that commercial for, for one of those antidepressants. If an antidepressant is going to raise my suicidal tendencies, I'm not going to take it. And they give you 72 side effects to deal with your one issue of depression. And in some cases, death. That's, that's not something I want to take. That's not, I'd rather go get on my knees and cry out to God. Amen. Understand that if you're in a dry area of your life, I promise you, God is bringing you to a place of worship. That although the Israelites had their woes in the desert, they encountered a God who was beyond description. That it was in the driest place of the world, one of the worst places in the world, over the Middle Eastern deserts, one of the hottest places in the world, where they encountered a God that was so phenomenal, it changed the face of the earth. That these two million people who left Egypt, you got to understand this, that you see, understand something they went into Egypt but I believe 72 people and years later came out with over 2 million people you say what does that mean that even when you're enslaved in bondage God can multiply you that you can be you can be strapped you know what you can be financially pressed but somehow some way God provides your every last need that you never have a shortcoming in your finances because you're depending and believing on God you're hearing this Exodus 10, my last scripture, verses 3 to 5. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord says, the God of the Hebrews. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Ask the person next to you, are you humble? He said, let my people go so that they may worship me. And if you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. It's speaking really right here of an economic collapse of this country. A destruction of their harvest. A destruction of the thing that was to sustain them for the next year. Something eludes me. I was talking, I think it was with Manny or Danielle just the other day. I, I love getting money back in the beginning of the year. I love income taxes. How many of you love income tax? Come on, do you like your income tax check? Some of the dads who owe child support are like, I don't see it, Pastor. <laughs> I can tell them all across the sanctuary, got a hush. <laughs> Sorry, I saw it. But I, I, let me tell you something. What I don't understand is why are we giving back hundreds of billions of dollars, because that's how much they give back in tax returns, instead of paying off the national debt. We may not get money this year, but they can lower your overall taxes for next year. It just kind of makes sense to me. You see, I don't understand why our country is in such an economic depression when we're supposed to be a Christian nation. Because God's blessing should be upon us. So when you see finances in your country begin to get strained, understand that the presence of God is quickly fading away. And you may not like to hear it. But if we don't fix it as a Christian country and us as Christians as a body do not get on our knees before God and begin to cry out to him, then we will see one of the worst fiscal times in 2010 that this nation has ever seen that will pale in comparison to the Great Depression. And I ain't trying to scare you. 
Because I know that I'm not going to have no lack in my house. I know that that's not going to touch my life. But I guarantee you, you have relatives, friends, cousins. We're Spanish. We got a lot of cousins. I got about 40-something cousins on my mother's side. That's just first cousins. And we got about, you know, 20-something second cousins. The way some of these families pop them out is crazy. It's like a production factory. Next. It's just like an assembly. I'm going to leave it alone. God have mercy. He brings you to a dry place. But how many of you want the promises of God in your life? If that's you, raise your hand. If you really want God's most promise in your life, understand, you can put your hands down. Understand this. He took them to a dry place for worship. To a place where you might not understand. To a place where you're saying, it's not the most comfortable position I can possibly be in. Because hanging out in the desert is not where I would want to be after leaving Egypt. At least they had houses there. Now you're under the sun. The sun's just beating on you. But God desires to bring you to a place of worship. A dry place. A deserted place. Some of you may say, Pastor, what does Moses have to do with me? I know some of you younger folk are just thinking about, well, that's 2,000 years ago. I mean, you know, that was like, what, 13,000 years ago that happened. Understand something. When you read the Bible, God works in cycles and parallels. And that as you read along, many stories duplicate themselves inside of another man. Case in point, Jesus was just like Moses. This preaching applies to your life because Jesus was a type of Moses, or rather Moses, a type of Jesus. He was a forerunner. Understand that as as Moses was actually, he went in the desert when he was 40 years old, and he stood there for 40 years. Jesus fasted and prayed in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 days and 40 nights. Understand that Moses was born through a miraculous birth and that when Moses was born, every male baby of Israel was being killed. Likewise, Jesus was born in a miraculous fashion and that when he was born, every Israelite baby was being killed by by Herod. Understand that if you compare Jesus next to Moses, they have a lot of similarities. Understand that Jesus went to the mountaintop when Satan tried to tempt him and he encountered God. Understand he encountered God on the Mount of Transfiguration. Understand that it was on the mountain of Sinai where Moses actually encountered God. Understand that Moses brought forth the Ten Commandments and that Jesus brought forth the New Commandments in the New Testament. Understand that there are so many similarities. Jesus has come to bring you out of bondage into a place of worship and communion with God. Understand that Jesus did signs and wonders just like Moses did. God was all over Moses. Understand that Moses instituted the covenant and that Jesus actually just fulfilled the covenant between man and God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Understand that the Bible repeatedly talks about how Israel was astonished when Moses would do a sign and wonder. And by the same token, when Jesus was spoken of in the New Testament... It was talking about how the people were astonished at who was this man who spoke these words. You're following me. Understand that Moses was a representation and a representative of the priesthood of Israel, where Jesus is called the high priest. Understand they were both 
born Hebrews, both born non-priests, both from the lines of Israel, both chosen to lead God, both communicated with God daily, understand they have a lot in common. They were not liked by the establishments. Understand that Egypt hated Moses. Understand the Romans, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and everybody else in the Zealots hated Jesus and his testimony. Understand that both of them founded a new religion. Understand that Moses is the father of Judaism and that Jesus is the father of the Christian church. Somebody shout glory. glory. Understand that Moses was called to lead his people into the promised land. And also Jesus was called to lead you to heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. Understand that Moses taught his people how to pray just like Jesus taught you the our father. Amen. Understand this story applies to your life to the story of Jesus. Understand that Moses chose 10 leaders, to, 12 leaders rather, to, to, to actually rule over Israel when he got into the desert. And understand that Jesus chose 12 disciples. You need to find in the Bible where it compares to your life. Understand that Moses provided vision and identity for the people. He made them into a nation. Where Jesus took from all four corners of the earth and brought you forth as a nation of Christian people. Understand there is so much in common. Understand that when, when, when Moses stood in the desert and the people wanted and they were thirsty that he struck the rock when God told him to speak to it. And because he struck it, he did not see the promise of God. And when he struck it, water poured out from that rock. Understand the Bible says that Jesus is the rock of salvation. And when he hung on the cross, they stabbed him in the side and water began to pour out from him. The Bible records that when Jesus hung on that cross, they pierced his side and water mingled with blood came forth. It was to show that he was like a type of Moses. Understand that when Moses, he stood between the Red Sea and, and Egyptian armies. And the miracle he had to perform, it was the last true miracle of the exodus of Israel. The exodus means the leaving. It was the last miracle he did. He parted the Red Sea. And as Jesus hung on that cross, the one thing that held you from intimacy with God. You see, the one thing that blocked Israel from intimacy, from getting to the desert to worship him, was the Red Sea. And as Jesus hung on that cross... The Bible says in the holies of holies in the temple, somebody say amen, that the veil began to rip down the middle as he, he breathed his last breath. <laughs> Understand something. The temple in Jerusalem was divided into three parts, the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holies of holies. Nobody can go into the holies of holies but the high priest. But God said, I want intimacy with my people. I want intimacy. Tell the person next to you, he desires intimacy with you. God desires intimacy with you. We talked the other week about just bitterness is a hindrance to intimacy. Intimacy. That loving relationship with you. God desires that everyday talk to your life. Understand this. The last thing he had to do would say, I, don't, I want them all to be able to come into me. I want, I want Denise to be able to come into the holies of holies. 
I, I want Tara to come in. I want Jennifer to come in. I, I want Melvin to come in. I want Freddie to come in. He wants you to come into his presence. He, he ripped down his own temple so that you could find freedom in dry places. That you can speak life and say, devil, let me go. But I'm, I'm not going to be an ineffective Christian. I'm not going to be a person who the devil gets me just thinking I'm saved because I go to church on a Sunday morning or a Friday night. But that I'm going to be a person who gets involved and hops on the watchtower for my church. I'm going to hop on the watchtower for my country, for my grandkids, for my children. That if you have no reason to look in your own household and find a reason as to why you should get involved, praying, finding, seeking God in every area of your life. There's a generation, an entire nation dying. And we sit in these four walls trying to make it from Sunday to Sunday. We've taken the same way we run our finances from check to check. And we do it in our spiritual. And we try and get from Sunday to Sunday just to try and get by. And all the while, our city continues to crumble. Because there is not enough true men and women of God being radical for God. And say, I'm not going to worry about my own problems. But that I'm going to look to the hills. From whence cometh my help. Because my help comes from the Lord. Understand that as you climb this, this dry place in your life, that you will find freedom. I don't know who said it the other day. They were, I believe it might have been Bishop or one of the speakers. Or they spoke about how not many people can follow you to the top. And if you were to climb your spiritual mountains... That every chain and every bondage and every demon spirit trying to manifest in your life will not be able to go with you because you cannot carry it no more. That you will find freedom in the hardest places of your life. Come on, stand with me. If I can get a musician. I don't know about you, but I desire for my people to be let go of. <clears throat> I know each and every one of you has somebody in your family that you desire God to get a hold of. You have got to begin to minister to the people around you. You've got to begin to drag your family any which way possible into an encounter with God. <clears throat> Tell them you're going to the club and bring them to church on Friday. I believe it was just the other night, uh, maybe two weeks ago, Carlos Maldonado posted on his Facebook, and he almost put it as if what the church was a club, and he told them to come in, this and that's free, and this is free, and that, or whatever he did. He said his cousin drove by and posted on his Facebook and said, dude, it's a church. <laughs> I think that is amazing. Understand you need to be the driving force behind people. Understand, give me just a G. Understand that when you move forth in your life, understand this. I want you to really grab a hold of this. You're listening. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4 that as the word of God grew daily, 
the church grew daily. They didn't wait for a Sunday morning. They didn't wait for a Wednesday night or for a Friday night. But the church grew daily because they studied and got involved in the Word of God. Take time to read your Bible this week. And I promise you, if you just read a couple scriptures, that God will begin to grow in your life because you are the church. So if the church grows, you grow. If the church grows, we all grow as a family. Come on, grab the hand of the person next to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on. I don't know about you, but we want, we want God to bring us out of this. We want to speak life and freedom into every brokenness, every situation. We want to bring freedom to every adversity, every trial, every tribulation, every strain on my life. Somebody shout freedom. I want freedom in my marriage, freedom in my depression, freedom at my job. I need God to help me. Somebody say, God help me. We need God to help us out. God is calling you to be a Moses in your life. God is calling you to call your family out. God is calling you to call your friends out. To be a man and a woman of God. I don't know about you, but I'm chasing freedom this year. Dear Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, God. God, we ask you to be a manifested glory to come in this place, God. God, we ask you to bring freedom to us, God. Dear Heavenly Father, we speak to every sickness in this place. Every devil of ineffectiveness. Every spirit designed to make us stop working about you, God. And God, that we can find freedom, God, in your presence. God, that we can truly say, let my people go, Father God. That you would design us, God, to be chain breakers, Father God. God, that we can be wall smashers for you, God, breaking down the walls of the enemy in our lives, God. Somebody say amen. Come on, tell the person next to you, I'm going to be free. Lori is going to come up for closing announcements. Give it up for Lori, please.